Good morning again. Good morning again. Um, I received word from Pastor David about a moment ago. He, he tuned in in my ear and said, we have about an hour and a half that I can preach. So stand tight or sit tight. We're about to get into God's word. Um, but no, all jokes aside, uh, we'll be, I'll be preaching from Ephesians chapter 4 um, verses, let's see here, 31 and 32. And I'll be referencing Ephesians chapter 4, 11 through 13. So if you could turn in your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 4, verses 31 and 32. And you might say, well, Jacob, didn't you preach on this a few weeks ago, about three weeks ago? I touched on, on these verses, but the main verse that week was verse 30, um, about grieving the Holy Spirit. But we're going to dive in even more into the following verses Verse 31 and 32. But before we get started, I did want to just lead us in prayer and ask God to um, clearly communicate during this time. So let's pray. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, God, we ask you to be with us today. And Lord, I ask you to be with me as I share your word. Lord, may it come across as clear. Lord, may it, may it uh, bring conviction as we need that always. Lord, allow us to become more aware of what you're doing in our lives, what you're doing in this church, and how you're calling us to unity, as we will talk about today, Lord. We honor you. We bless your name. Amen. I did want to touch on one thing. I'm going to be hiding behind these flags and these balloons um, while I preach. I'm going to make it fun. But I want to start with this. Who owns a car in, in in this church? Who owns a car? Or who's working to own a car? How about that? Um, so all of us, majority of us drive a car. If something goes wrong with that vehicle, that truck, sedan, tractor, whatever it may be, immediately I, I would hope that you're thinking, we got to get this fixed today. I'm not going to go, I mean, maybe the oil light comes on, you could wait a, a day or two and like, eh, I'll take it next week when I'm available. But the majority of the time, if something seems wrong with your car, you take it to get it fixed, no questions asked. Or you work on it yourself. You know, talking to Matt the other day, he rolled in with a huge truck. Um, you might fix it yourself, you might take it to the shop. But what I'm trying to get is you try to get it fixed. You don't let it sit with a flat tire and try to roll around Rocky Mountain with that. You don't, you know, go with a bad transmission or it won't even work, you know. But you try to get things fixed if something's wrong with your vehicle. Now, Speaking to the Christian life, the believer, if something's not wrong in our life, who do we go to? If something's not looking right and maybe we're reading the manual of life and we're like, my manual of life doesn't necessarily match up with God's word, something needs to be fixed. Something, you might sense and understand, well, this part of my life isn't going all that well, I need to get it fixed. Well, today we're going to really talk about unity, but more or less, even more specifically, we're going to talk about how we achieve unity and how we achieve holiness um, as well as unity. Today's sermon is called The Advocate for Unity. The Advocate for Unity is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is always on a mission to cause and, and help believers in unity. Whether it's in this church building, whether we're out 
um, shrimp in a, in a couple weeks in, in South Norfolk or whether we're around the surrounding areas, we are, the Holy Spirit is the advocate for unity. As we dive into the next few verses, we've learned time and time again that Ephesians is like the survival guide to this church, and it can be for us as well. What was going on with the Ephesians in this time, this church, they were in a pluralistic environment, meaning there was a lot of other gods that everyone else was worshiping, but they were worshiping the one true God, as we know. And this letter was written to them to help them, hey, two things. You're going to need the survival guide, and you're going to need each other. But none of that can be followed or achieved without the Holy Spirit. And that's what we're going to dive in today. So let's read Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Verse 32. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And this is going off of a small section of Paul talking to the church on behavior. But this, when he's talking to the church about behavior, he's also talking about specifically the words that come out of your mouth. So what we see here, it's an encouragement to get rid of all bitterness, whether that's in action or in word. Rage, anger, brawling, slander, malice, whether it's in action or in word, for one purpose to continue to be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. And I do have an outline provided in your bulletin. There's no space to write anything, so hopefully you have another sheet of paper. But go ahead and follow with me. Um, The first point is this. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Why would I start with that? Well, because if you read verse 31, we need help to get rid of all of this, all of this sin. We need the Holy Spirit's help. And you might say, well, there's a long list right here in scriptures. How am I supposed to get rid of all this stuff? You mean every aspect? It says to get rid of all bitterness, so on and so forth. All of it. Not just 50% of it. Not just the, the, the amount that we're comfortable admitting. Not just um, what we tend to just have to deal with because life happens and we have to deal with that part of our life, but all of it. In, in essence, this list is talking about just sin in general, sin of division. Because if you think about it, bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, and slander, any form of malice, all of that brings division. And we're talking about unity here. So sin in general, but even more specific, sin that causes disunity. All right? Sin that causes disunity. So I want you to keep that in your mind as we go through. I want to speak from John 14, verses 16 through 17. In these verses, I want to encourage you, before we go on with these verses, I want to be, allow you to become aware of what the Holy Spirit helps us do. So John 14, 16 through 17, the advocate resides within us. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Moving on to 1 Peter verse, uh, chapter 1, verse 2. The Holy Spirit leads us as believers in holiness. Okay? 
according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood. My grace and peace be multiplied to you. So the Holy Spirit is what allows us to grow in holiness. Galatians 5, 16. And and I'm going quickly through these because I want to just simply remind you of what the Holy Spirit can help us with. Galatians 5, 16 says this, But I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. What do we learn from this? The Holy Spirit empowers us to fight our flesh. The Holy Spirit empowers us to fight the flesh. One more, Galatians 5, verses 32 through 33. This is really just shotgun verses real quick. Galatians chapter 5, verse 32, or excuse me, 22 and 23. This verse touches on the fact that the Holy Spirit allows us to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. And we know those, right? Everyone's like, wait, wait a minute. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, and self-control. I might have missed one. But what I'm trying to get at is that's what the Holy Spirit does, multiple things. Allows us to grow in the fruits of the Spirit. Allows us to fight the flesh that we have raging within us. And allows us to grow in unity and as well as holiness inwardly. I want to read a, a, a small chapter. Just kidding. A small paragraph from this uh, book. Do I know what this book is? Not really. But it's like a devotional. It's Oswald Chambers, a pastor, a preacher, evangelist. And he writes down his thoughts in every date. So is it a devotional? I don't know. Is it just him writing down his thoughts? Sure. But I thought it was very, very applicable to today. It says this. He will not allow you to escape from one, for one moment from the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit. He, God, urged you to come to judgment right away when he convicted you, but you did not. The inevitable process began to work, and now you are in prison, and you will only get out when you have paid the uttermost farthing. Is this a God of mercy and love, you say? Seen from God's side, it is a glorious ministry of love. God is going to bring you out pure and spotless and undefiled, but he wants you to recognize the disposition you were showing, the disposition of your right to yourself. And you might say, well, what kind of language was that in? But I'll read the first part, which is really key. He urged you to come to judgment right away when he convicted you, but you did not. He will not allow you to escape for one moment from the scrutiny of the Holy Spirit. That doesn't sound nice, but it's good. It explains that the Holy Spirit working in you, the Holy Spirit's not going to give up on you so easily. And what I'm trying to say is we can either give way for the Holy Spirit to work within us, Or we can ignore the Holy Spirit and say, I'm going to do this on my own. I'm going to live my life how I want to. So what we're encouraged by Oswald Chambers is that the Holy Spirit doesn't give up easily. God's not just going to say, oh, Jacob didn't want the Holy Spirit today. Okay, I'll come back tomorrow. No, God is chasing after you. The Holy Spirit is continuously fighting against your flesh. If you are a believer, wanting you to come to holiness, wanting you to come to unity, So we're encouraged that God doesn't give up on us easily. So we have one of two options. Give in to the Holy Spirit and say, you know, Holy Spirit, you're pointing out all these things in my life. You're trying to help me, and I'm trying to see you as a helper. Or you have the option to 
I had this irritating voice in my head, and I think it's the Holy Spirit, and I don't want to listen to it, just to put it in layman terms for you. So I want to read Galatians 5, 13 through 17. Galatians 5, 13 through 17. And it could be that the first point being the Holy Spirit is our helper. But what if we don't see the Holy Spirit as our helper? Well, what's the opposite of a helper? An enemy, correct? So I'm, I'm going to make it aware to you today that if you don't see the Holy Spirit as a benefit to you as a believer, to work in you, to cause holiness, to convict you of your sin, then you might be seeing the Holy Spirit as your enemy, okay? Galatians 5, 13 through 17 says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. Only do not use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh, but through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. But if you bite and devour one another, watch out that you are not consumed by one another. But I say, walk in the spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. Lastly, for the desires of the flesh are against the spirit and the desires of the spirit are against the flesh. For these are opposed to each other to keep you from doing the things you want to do. The word of God. The Holy Spirit is our helper. There's an internal battle within every believer that's a Holy Spirit residing in you, wanting to fight the flesh, and the flesh that you, we're just born into. We're born into sin, fighting against the Spirit. We have one or two options to make. And it could be that you're here today and you're realizing, okay, do I see the Holy Spirit as a helper or do I see the Holy Spirit as my enemy? And it could be that there might be bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander within you, maybe within your family, maybe within your household in general. And we're kind of tapping into a really, what could be a very dark place. This isn't talking about rainbows and flowers. It's talking about rage and bitterness and slander, things that I don't think any of us really like to talk about. You mean, Jacob, we're talking about when I get upset or when I judge or when I speak wrongly of my brother and sister? Yes, I'm talking exactly about that because we're addressing the unity in the church. And if you want to, while I'm continuing on with this, with this sermon, think about it in the context of us today. Rocky Mount Baptist Church. And I'll tell you, I'll encourage you, encourage you with this. A few weeks ago, last week, we had Summer Bible Adventure. All right? That was awesome. And, if, and it reminded me of so many great things, but it's specifically about the unity within this church that we're sitting in today. The unity that had to happen in order to make Summer Bible Adventure happen. Right, Stephanie? Right, Paul? And everyone else involved? We had sewing, we had the horses the last day, we had athletics, we had art, we had all sorts of drums alive, we saw them. But none of it could have happened if we weren't unified, right? So let that be a reminder to you. It, it's God working within this church. It couldn't have happened without the Holy Spirit, without God's work within us and through us. Now as we're talking about slander, bitterness, anger, it doesn't sound pretty, and I'm sorry, but it's something that we have to deal with. But where it starts is inwardly in every believer. 
I didn't share this before, but the sermon idea is this. The main idea of this message is this. A church body can only have unity amongst it when they individually allow the Holy Spirit to work within them. The church body can only have unity within it when they individually allow the Holy Spirit to work within them. Apart from the Holy Spirit, Rocky Mount Baptist Church is not unified. Apart from the Spirit, believers in general, wherever we may be, we're not unified. But praise God that he's given us the Holy Spirit as a helper to bring us to unity. My second point is this. Give grace just as God showed grace to you. That's all for today. We're going to end there. I'm going to pray. Some of you are just like shocked. Like, what? Give grace just as God showed you grace. It's, it's in God's word. It's not coming from Jacob Holm. It's not coming from Pastor David. I couldn't come up with something as great as that. It's coming from God's word. Give grace just as God showed grace to you. And you might say, well, this sounds really hard. I'm supposed to love others just as God showed grace to me, dying on the cross, forgiving of my sins. Short answer, yes. Long answer, let's, let's dive in. It could be that you're, you're wanting to look at that and show grace to others dependent on your strength. Good luck. Pack up your bags because you're not going to last. I'm not going to last if I try to show grace to others according to my own strength. It's probably 1%. But if I abide in the Holy Spirit, if you abide in the Holy Spirit, we can really show grace to one another and we could be unified as a church body. Locally and corporately all around the world as believers. So I might be tapping into something that you might be struggling with. And if so, it's not me tapping into it. It's really God and the Holy Spirit. But I want to ask you a rhetorical question. If you feel like shouting out and saying, that's me, go for it. But are you someone that has been ignoring the Holy Spirit working within you? Are you one that's been ignoring the Holy Spirit trying to work amongst you and your family and your church body? If so, it's not cute anymore. I told my wife, I'm, I'm going to say it. I'm going to say it in my sermon. It's not cute anymore. Because we're seized, a lot of us can be seasoned believers, but yet there's moments where we neglect, where we ignore the Holy Spirit. A lot of us are seasoned believers in here. And if you're not, it's okay. You can still abide in the Holy Spirit. But it's time to stop resisting the Holy Spirit's work in us. It's time to allow sin to linger no more. It says get rid of all. You know, and it says all form. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. So Sin, malice, things that go against God have different forms. It could, it could look different in this person's life than it does in this person's life. But it says we, ha- we ought to get rid of it. And that sounds like a big mountain to climb. But we, can't stop, we have to stop resisting the Holy Spirit. And we have to allow sin to linger no more. And I want to encourage you, but also bring to your attention this. That... As we're working and allowing the Holy Spirit to convict us, we have to get rid of all sin. As I mentioned just a moment ago, it's a, back to my thought, it's a, it's a small mountain to, to God. 
but it's a big mountain to us to climb and to get over. Sin, if you think about everything in your life, you see it piled up and you're like, I'm supposed to address all of that. I mean the darkest part of your life, things that you might not talk about, things that you don't want people to know about, we're supposed to address it with God so that we can be in unity with one another. And maybe that brawling, that bitterness, that anger is directly related to someone that you're close to. It's so easy to go through the, the waves of life and simply ignore it. Or, hey, you know what? It didn't come up today. I mean, I'm not going to address it. But if someone addresses me about it, sure. But no, it didn't come up today. Weeks pass by. Months pass by. I've been there. I'm speaking from experience. Reconciling with, with someone that I love and, and not doing it because, well, it just didn't come up, you know. God's not working yet, you know. But it's really me ignoring the Holy Spirit. So the first point, the Holy Spirit is our helper. Second point, give grace to others just as God showed grace to you. We can't do it without God's help. James 3.10 says this, Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. A lot of the times when we want to show grace, the opposite comes out. And that's praises and cursing. And we're encouraged in this verse that that should not be. When we want to act out, when we want to reconcile ourselves with our brothers and sisters, when we want to address a situation that's tough, and let me step aside and say a disclaimer, this is broad because I want you to apply it to your life, okay? I want you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit. God wants you to open your heart to the Holy Spirit, but I'm keeping it broad. What is it in your life? You got to kind of be introspective about this. Look inwardly. And then third point is the purpose is unity. So we're talking about getting rid of our sin. We're talking about being kind and compassionate to everyone else, just as Christ God forgave us and showed grace to us. What is the purpose of all this? What is the purpose of this book? What is the purpose of this chapter, of this passage, everything? What is the purpose? The purpose is unity. Verse 31 and 32. I'm going to read one more time, and then we're going to continue. Get rid of all bitterness, all rage, all anger, brawling and slander, among with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as Christ God forgave you. The purpose is unity. And you might say, well, unity is always nice, and it's, it's something that just, it makes everyone happy. When you talk about working together, everyone's like, perfect. I was thinking the same exact thing. But in order to get to unity, you have to work inwardly. In order to get to unity amongst each other, every believer has to look inwardly. How can we be unified if everyone out, you all, are just as loving as could be, and I'm up here just as hateful as could be? That doesn't sound like unity to me. Or what if 5% of the church is just, according to this verse, brawling, uh, this isn't WWE, Brawling, um, slander, bitterness, rage. 5% of the church is doing that, but the rest is just abiding in God. That doesn't look like unity because we need everyone involved. So the purpose is unity. Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13. And I'm, I'm going through these verses rather quickly. I hope you are writing them down. If not, you can 
look back at this to get all the verses that I'll be sharing. So Ephesians 4, 11 through 13 says this. And he gave the apostles, the prophets, and the evangelists, the shepherds, and the teachers to equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. What it's saying is this. God gave everyone that we see here, all the people abiding in Christ, pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists, everyone, people that pray, just everyone in general, for what? So that the church, us, we can grow in maturity to then experience the fullness of Christ. I don't know about you, but I want to experience the fullness of Christ. Do, have I experienced all of it? No, but I want to. And I hope you do too, that we cannot experience all that Christ has for us if we don't first deal with our internal struggles to then allow us to be unified as a church body. And when we're all unified as a church body, we could then experience the fullness of Christ. And if I were to be here and just lay you out what all that was, we'd be here all day. I'll take up the hour and 30 minutes that Pastor David gave me. But unity and faith in Christ to attain the fullness of Christ. That's what the purpose is. So we can experience all that Christ has for us as believers. We know, and I'm sure you might have been spoken to rather harshly sometime in your life. Or maybe you've spoken harshly to somebody else. But our words can either lift up somebody or tear them down. Surprise. Our words can either lift up somebody or tear them down. Meaning, we can either glorify God with our words or displease God with our words. Same thing with our actions. Glorify God with our actions or really displease God with our actions. Proverbs 15.23 says this, To make an apt answer is a joy to a man, and a word in season, how good is it? Meaning, when you share a word at the right time, and you know it's of God, and he told you to share it, it's going to bless somebody. But if you speak out of turn, and God hasn't called your name and said, hey, I'm the coach, I'm putting you into play, go encourage this person. If you abide by what God is telling you, things will happen at the time it needs to happen. Meaning you will share a word at the right time with somebody. But if we speak out of turn, if we just speak out of rage, out of bitterness, out of slander, it's going to come at a time that is not okay. And it might, it probably won't encourage somebody. It might not be God's will for you to share that. John 10.10 10 says this. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. I came that you may have life and have it abundantly. The thief comes only. There's nothing else. He doesn't come to bring you freedom. He only comes to steal kill and destroy. I want to point something out to you. The thief is the enemy. The thief is Satan. The thief is the devil, okay? He comes only to steal, kill. But don't you think that something's done after it's killed? The food that you got this morning or last week, you went out on the, 
in the woods or out in the mountains, you got something to eat, right? It's done after it's killed, right? It's no more. It doesn't it exist, but there's, it's no life. There's no life to it. But look into that. The enemy steals, kills, and he continues to destroy. It doesn't end with something that he kills. He tries to destroy everything. For instance, if we're talking about behavior in words that we say for the sake of unity, if you say that word, you might, that might be the form of, of the enemy speaking through you to steal something from somebody. And then you say the other word, you act out in bitterness, rage, and then you're starting, the enemy's starting to kill something. But through those words, things start to spread. Bitterness starts to, to either grow within you or someone else. Rage, anger, brawling, and just disunity starts to happen. And then what the enemy's trying to do, as we see in this verse, he's trying to destroy everything. And when we apply that verse to life in general, specifically about these verses, we can know for sure that the enemy is trying to destroy unity amongst believers in general. This verse applies to everything good that could possibly come from God. He is trying to destroy it. Unity is from God. He is trying to destroy it. We kind of have to talk about this verse because we have to know what we're up against. People might say, no, we don't talk about the enemy. We don't talk about the enemy. Only Jesus, partially. We talk about Jesus. We know his power. We want him to reside in us. Holy Spirit, work in me. But we have to know who we're about to go to battle with. Because we have to know their strategies. We have to know the enemy's strategies. He knows your weak points. He knows that, hey, if I get so-and-so just a little upset about this particular topic or this thing going on in their life, Spark, I'm going to let them blow up. I'm, I'm here to steal, kill, and destroy. That's what the enemy says. So we have to know who we're up against. Romans 8.16 says this. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When it's impossible to speak words that are good, when it's impossible to behave in a way that is pleasing to God, guess what? The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. When you can't meet the mark, guess what? The Holy Spirit's reminding you of who you belong to. When things get hard and you realize, I slipped up. I really said what I shouldn't have said. I acted the way I shouldn't have acted towards somebody. Guess what? The Holy Spirit in that moment is witnessing to your spirit saying, you're a child of God. I'm here to convict you and tell you that that wasn't right, but I'm also here to encourage you saying, I can, I can change you. The Holy Spirit, God can change you. No transformation apart from the Holy Spirit is possible. I hope that's a relief to you this morning. It's, it's been a relief to me. In moments that I'm trying and I'm over here just trying my best to serve God, to love others, and I don't do it right, and I might get upset, and I might get bothered, I realize that I'm, I'm serving God dependent on my own strength. I'm not able to do this properly. But if I allow the Holy Spirit to work within me, if you allow the Holy Spirit to work within you, to change those dark places of your life, behavior or speech, that we can really become unified and serve God as we ought to. That's pretty much it for this morning. But again, the, the three points were the Holy Spirit is our helper. Please don't see him as your enemy. When you, when you hear that voice in your head, sometimes some, some of us might um, refer to the Holy Spirit as a little voice in our head, right? The, 
the angel and the, and the devil. Really, really, we're the devil because it's our flesh. The good voice is the Holy Spirit trying to convict us of our flesh, okay? But for the analogy's sake, we have little angels on our shoulder. We can't do it apart from God. The Holy Spirit is our helper. Point two, give grace just as God showed grace to you. This is hard, but point number one, the Holy Spirit is there to help us. And lastly, all of this talk of, of our speech, our behavior, unity, not grieving the Holy Spirit is for one purpose of unity. The sermon idea once more is a church body can only have unity amongst it when they individually allow the Holy Spirit to work within them. Do you want us to, to reach and experience the fullness of Christ as a church body? If you are on board with that, allow the Holy Spirit to continue and to start working in your heart. Because it is there within you that the Holy Spirit starts to change you. And when the Holy Spirit does work in all of our lives, we come together as a corporate church, as believers in Jesus Christ to experience the fullness of Christ. So as I close, I want to ask you some rhetorical questions. And again, if you feel like shouting and saying, that's me, go for it. But when was the last time you invited the Holy Spirit to work in your heart? Have you been resisting the Holy Spirit's transformation power this entire time and just now realized it? If that is the case, let's not ignore God. Let's not ignore the Holy Spirit's work in our heart anymore. Let's not disobey God anymore. Let's, let's get right with God. If you find yourself in that place today of ignoring the Holy Spirit, it, it's time to, to give God what is his, which is everything. It's not worth our time to fight against the Holy Spirit and, and reap the, the consequences of that. According to this verse, it's rage, bitterness, slander. You might think, well, I don't think it's that bad. But as we learn, the enemy wants to steal, kill, and destroy. And if he can convince you, you don't really need the Holy Spirit in your life, then he's already stole something. And that's the truth. If he can convince you of that, he's already killed something. And if he can keep you there, he's starting to destroy something. So believers, let's get right with God and allow the Holy Spirit to work in our heart. Because it's only to our benefit and to the glory of God. Let's pray. Dear Lord and Heavenly Father, God, we thank you for your word. And Lord, we ask you, as you always do, and as you, you don't relent, Lord, but we ask you even today, as you're working in our lives, as you're working in this church, Lord, have your way in our hearts. I pray for every individual in this place, Lord, that you continuously Convict them of their sin, Lord God, so that they can be free from it, so they can glorify you, so they can live life to the fullest and experience Christ to the fullest. Lord, I pray that in your name because that is exactly what you will. That's exactly what you want from each and every one of us, is to allow your Holy Spirit to work in us, to transform us from an old way of living, behavior, speech that is displeasing, to a new way of living a way of living that is glorifying to you, Lord God. And if there's someone here 
this morning that would like to give their life to Jesus and invite the Holy Spirit to change them for the glory of God, pray with me. Dear Lord, Heavenly Father, I realize that I might have been ignoring your Holy Spirit to work in my life. I might have been too comfortable living my own life the way I wanted to. But Lord, I realize that I am a sinner. The things I do on the day-to-day might be and probably are displeasing to you, Lord. And I ask for forgiveness. And I ask you to allow the Holy Spirit to come within me and transform me for your glory and for whatever you have for me. In Jesus' name I pray. If you prayed that prayer um, just now, I will be down front. Feel free to come down and speak with me. If you gave your life to Jesus this morning, um, we want to welcome you. We want to encourage you. And and we want to um, help you grow in your faith. Let's worship God.